Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. In the time we have left tonight, I want to go back and and revisit uh, a topic that I brought up a couple weeks ago, and that is on dress. Because, uh, you know, it... uh, a lot of people uh, were a little unsure and, and uh, didn't understand some of the things. And I didn't really explain some things as well as I could have. I brought up the fact about, about how to dress for church. And, I, and, I, and I'm not going to go into everything that I went into last week. But I explained to people that you don't have to come dressed to church like I dress in a coat and tie. After we got home, Pastor Angela said, you know, you said coat and tie. And you should have said a tie, because she and I have talked about this many times. It's not that I that I, that a, that it's just a coat and tie that's not necessary. Men, I'm not even saying you need to come dressed in a tie. And like I said, when you talk, sometimes you know you, what you're what's going through your mind and what you're thinking about what you're saying is not everything that comes out. And so what I'm saying is, as it pertains to dressing for church, you don't have to dress like I dress. You don't have to wear a coat and tie. You don't even, men, you don't even have to wear a tie. You don't even, I'm not even saying you have to wear dress shirts and dress slacks. I, 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 I intended to say that. Uh, now, those things are still good and acceptable if you want to wear them. If you want to wear a suit, I do. You know, if you want to wear a sport coat, if you want to wear a tie, if you wanted to wear dress clothes, that's fine. I'm just saying it's not necessary. And I got to thinking about it. Uh, I don't think I ever, and and maybe if you remember something better than I do, you can tell me otherwise if you've been here a long time. I don't remember ever issuing any rule or regulation regarding ties or dress clothes for people in the congregation. Now, for, for people in the ministry of helps, that's a little different, but for just people in the congregation, in 36 years of pastoring, I don't think I ever have said men need to wear dress clothes, ties, or coats and ties. Unless somebody can, I don't remember ever having to dress it. And I know it's unlikely because I've never taught on this before. I've never actually taken a service and taught in 36 years. Now, to have two services back to back, you might think, oh boy, you spent a lot of time on dress. Put that in the context of 36 years. <laughs> so the only times I've ever talked about it, the only time I'm talking about it tonight is because I wasn't completely clear as I could have been last Sunday night. Uh, many members have worn nice casual clothes to this church for years without any challenge from me. Never addressed it, never criticized it, never expressed any disappointment in it or anything like that. Uh, You know, when it comes to casual clothes, there are varying degrees of casual. Everybody would agree that's true. Now, though I did not also identify ties and specifically other dress clothes besides coat and tie, even though I didn't actually say that, I went back and listened to my message and I repeatedly, like three or four times, not only said but stressed the word overly casual. If you go back and listen to the message, when I talked about what was wrong with casual clothes, I I expressed overly casual. In other words, sloppy casual. Like I said, there are different kinds of casual and I, I only gave shorts, T-shirts and flip-flops as my only example of inappropriate clothes. I didn't, I didn't point out any other degree of casual as being inappropriate. And the reason I did that and pointed that out is I'm correcting the trend, the recent trend in this church toward overly casual or sloppy attire. That's the only thing I'm correcting. Does everybody understand that? I'm fine with respectful casual clothes. You know, there, there, there are, like I said, there's nice casual, there's sloppy casual, overly casual. Well, what I'm saying is that's not appropriate for church. 
Now, when it comes to people from the outside coming in, we, we and, I, and I, I pointed out that a lot of churches today have, have, have adopted this uh, 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 philosophy that they advertise, come as you are. Well, we want sinners to come as they are because that's the only way they can come to Christ. I came as I was, you came as you were. God takes us as we are, but he doesn't intend for us to stay like we were. Isn't that right? So when, when sinners or the unchurched come in, we, you know, our doors are open. We, we, uh, we have always been no one, un, unless there's some, you know, aberrant, you know, unusual, uh, unsanctioned comment that somebody in the church has made that, that I'm not aware of, uh, 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 you know, anything like that can happen. But something like that aside, our church, I challenge anybody to say that this church is not accepting and friendly and extends a warm welcome to anybody, no matter who they are when they come. Now, I absolutely know that to be the truth. And, and we've been told that over and over again. And, and so when it comes to people coming from the outside, God takes people where they are. But when it comes to Christians, we all need to be growing in the things of God increasing in our knowledge of the things of God. Uh, also, uh, last week, I referred to not dressing at church the way you would go to the mall or to movies or restaurants or the flea market or, you know, whatever. Uh, but when I was saying that, in my mind, I was thinking about the way people go to the mall or to the movies sloppily. Actually, people go to all of those activities and, and outings in a variety of, of, of varying degrees of, of, uh, of uh, casual. People go to the mall really nice casual. Not very many people dress up like this to go to the mall, but they go a lot of times with nice casual, mid, you know, mid casual, you know. Some people go sloppy. What I was talking about was the, in my mind, I was talking about the sloppy casual. And again, if you had been really, really paying attention, you'd have picked up on the words overly sloppy and the shorts and t-shirts description because that was the only uh, example I gave. So uh, so there's a, a great variety in how people dress for these things. When you go out, you always dress in accordance with, with where you're going. You never leave the house without thinking. You don't, You always put clothes on with some consideration to where you're going. I don't, I don't wear this when I go tubing <laughs> down the itch Uh You know, you, you don't wear pajamas to work. Isn't that right? It's not appropriate. <laughs> you ladies don't wear lingerie to the dentist. Right? You have reasons for the clothes you wear. And how many of you have ever got up, you know, and you're, you're going to get on the mower and you're ready to mow the yard, you realize you're out of gas. And so now you've got to get in your car and go down the convenience store or the gas station and get a gallon of gas. Or how many of you ladies have ever started to get in the kitchen and you're about to cook something, you know, and you realize you don't have flour, you don't have something, and you have to hurriedly get in the vehicle because you've already got stuff started and you've got to run to the store. And how many of you ever thought, I just got to throw some clothes on and hopefully I can get in and out of the supermarket. Now, come on now. Hopefully I can get in and out of the supermarket before anybody sees me. Your hair's not done. You put on a baseball cap. Come on now. Angela's bad about that. I say, really, are you going to the store looking like that? She said, I'm just going, I just got to go in. I said, yeah, but you're a pastor's wife. You're going you're gonna to run into somebody. No, I'll just get in and out. And every time she comes back, yeah, I met so-and-so, talked to the mayor, or I talked to somebody, you know. <laughs> well, what I'm saying is, Going to church isn't like running to the convenience store to get a gallon of gas. It is different. And, and that ought to be reflected in the way we dress. I, uh, I was actually looking uh, before I, like I said, last two weeks ago when I introduced this, I hadn't intended to teach on that that Sunday night. It just kind of came up. 
And I had uh, put some of my thoughts down the Wednesday night before and got it introduced, but on that Sunday night, I hadn't intended to teach on it, so I hadn't gathered my thoughts. Uh, one of the things that I had, I had looked at was the definition of casual uh, in the dictionary. And uh, if you just Google casual, you'll come up with this uh, uh, brief definition, relaxed and unconcerned. Number two, not regular or permanent uh, in particular. Well, the number two uh, uh, definition wouldn't apply, but relaxed and unconcerned. Now, I always like to go down to the Merriam-Webster uh, definitions of things because they, it, this particular dictionary online gives a simple dic- uh, definition and then it gives a more detailed definition. Uh, the simple definition of casual is happening by chance, not planned or expected. Well, that's not what we're talking about. Uh, then it says designed for or permitting ordinary dress, behavior, etc., not formal. Then it says done without much thought, effort, or concern. And that was one that, that kind of got my attention. When you looked at the, look at the full definition, again, this is on, uh, on uh, I Googled it. Uh, it says, A, feeling or showing little concern. Illustration, a casual approach to cooking, nonchalant. Number two, lacking a great degree of interest or devotion. Casual sports fans, a casual reader. Number three, done without serious intent or commitment. Casual sex. Well, you can see that, that there is an aspect of casual that uh, is feeling or showing little concern, lacking a high degree of interest or devotion, and done without serious intent or commitment. Uh, when it comes to the things of God, and I'm not talking about dress in particular, but when it comes to the things of God in general, we should never be casual. We should, ne- we should never reflect an attitude of, of little interest, uh, no commitment, no seriousness. Uh, that's not an appropriate response or attitude to the things of God, ever. But on the other hand, I, I'm not saying that nicer, casual clothes are necessarily showing disrespect. I'm not saying that. In fact, I think that some casual clothes are very respectful. Again, it's, it's, it's where it falls in the, in, the, in the whole scheme of things. Now, I only identified shorts because I've been seeing more of that lately. In the last so many months, I've seen more and more people come to church in shorts. And the Spirit of God dealt with me about that. And, and so that's why I corrected it. Now, I'm not saying that's the only thing that's sloppy. There, there, there are other sloppy forms of clothes. Um, am I going to identify it? No, because I'd be here all night. I mean, there's just so, there's so many varieties of clothes and, and expressions. And, and, but, but the truth of the matter is, you know when something's sloppy. You know. If you look in the mirror and you think, well, I wonder if that's a bit sloppy. It probably is. It probably is. Amen. And, and, and what I'm saying is the things of God are important. I pointed this out to you, and I want to read this scripture to you again from Leviticus 26. In uh, talking about the Sabbath, the, obs- ab- the observation of the Sabbath and of the Feast of Israel, in Leviticus t- uh, 23, it talks about the Sabbaths in, verses, uh, in verse number three. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest. A holy convocation. I want you to notice that expression, a holy convocation. And then in verse four, these are the feasts of the Lord. Holy convocations. And then in this chapter, it lists all these different feasts. So we're talking about the feasts and we're talking about the Sabbath. Now the Sabbath was every week. The Sabbath was from sundown Friday night to sundown Saturday night. And and it, it was considered a holy convocation as were the, all these different feasts that took place during the year. On, in describing one of the feasts, in each one of these feasts, he described it as a holy convocation. In, uh, in verse number 36, it says, Seven days you shall offer an offering made by fire. So this is the Feast of Tabernacles. You shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord for seven days. On the eighth day you shall have a holy convocation. And you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. It is a sacred assembly. 
Notice the words, a holy convocation and a sacred assembly. When the children of Israel were assembled on the Sabbath, when they came together, or when they came together to offer these sacrifices during the feasts, the Bible said it was a holy convocation. The Hebrew word there, and I looked it up today, the, holy, the word for convocation means something called out, i.e. a public meeting. The act, the persons, or the place. I'm going to read that again. A, a, a convocation, and this was a holy convocation. A convocation is something called out that is a public meeting. And it means the, it refers to the act, the persons involved, or the place. Now, if you go to the English dictionary, the de- definition of a convocation is the act of calling a group of people to a formal meeting. The word convoke is to call together to a meeting. And convocation, again, is the act of calling people, a group of people, to a formal meeting. And so the, when Israel got together, it wasn't a casual meeting. It was a holy convocation. Every time they were assembled in the presence of the Lord, it was a holy convocation. And it was a sacred assembly. Well, that... Both of those words are inherent in the meaning of ecclesia. The word ecclesia is the word for the church. The, the word church, ecclesia, is, is, it means an assembling because God has called or summoned us to come together to meet with him. That's what a church, I'm talking about the local church, the meeting of the local church, the local assembly is, is the result of God calling us out of our homes, out of our ordinary pursuits and activities to come aside, God calling us aside to meet together with him in his presence and in, 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 in his name. Well, that is perfectly in line with what they had in the Old Testament. It was a holy convocation, a calling of people, a group of people together together. Well, uh, if, if their assembly was holy, what is ours? If their assembling together was sacred, what is ours? Is the assembly of the church less sacred or less holy than the assembly of Israel? When you, when you read these uh, the Old Testament, you see that the things that took place when the children of Israel gathered together for, these, for the Sabbath, on the Sabbath, or when they uh, uh, had observed these festivals, every time they were observing types and shadows of Christ. That's what all, this, that's all, what all of those uh, feasts represented. They represented types and shadows of Christ who was to come. Well, today, we don't observe those feasts. Because we're not, we're not looking at the types. We have Christ. He's come. He's come in the flesh. He died on the cross. He was raised from the dead. He ascended into heaven. We've believed on him. We've been joined. We are one with the Lord Jesus. When we come together, we're not just... Now, if theirs was holy and sacred, observing the type and the shadow of Christ, I would... I would submit that ours is more sacred because we're not just observing a a representation of Christ. We have Christ in our midst. He actually meets together with us. So I said that to, to show that our gathering together is holy and it is sacred. Again, that doesn't mean you have to dress like I do, but it does mean you should not dress in your worst. You shouldn't look like you just got up, you know, with no thought and just came with, with in, in complete indifference to where you were going. Amen? So, do, am I saying, I noticed this morning that I saw more ties on men than I've seen. And maybe it was a coincidence, maybe not. I don't know, but I saw, I saw men wearing ties today that I haven't seen with a necktie around their neck in, in a couple of years. And so, and and I'm okay with that, but I'm saying that's not what I was saying. I wasn't saying you need to wear a tie to church. I'm not saying you need to wear even dress clothes. Just, you know, just don't come look like you're, you know, intended to go for a gallon of gas somewhere and and tripped and ended up in church. You know, (laughs) amen. Does that make any, any sense to you? 
Over and go with me real quick to Ezekiel 44. Ezekiel 44. Why am I sharing these things? Yeah, it's my job. Ezekiel 44. And uh, I'll tell you what, have you found Ezekiel 44? Hold your place and go to Ezekiel 23, I think. Ezekiel 22, rather, verse 26. In, in uh, rebuking the leaders of Israel, the priests and so forth, uh, Ezekiel, by the, by the Spirit of God, was, uh, was pointing out things that they were guilty of, things they had, had, were not doing right. Verse 26 says, Her priest, Israel's priest, have violated my law and profaned my holy things. They have not distinguished between the holy and the unholy, nor have they made known the difference between the unclean and the clean. And they have hidden their eyes from me or from my Sabbath, so I am profaned among them. Notice the priests were guilty of not distinguishing between the holy and the unholy. Now go over to Ezekiel 44. Talking about the instructions for God's priests. And they, those were the ministers in the Old Testament. Verse 23, Ezekiel 44, 23. And they shall teach my people the difference. Ezekiel 44, 23. They shall teach my people the difference between the holy and the unholy. And cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. Now, the unclean and the unholy in the Old Testament, when he's talking about the unclean and the unholy, he was not talking about things that are inherently sinful. That's not what he was talking about. When he's talking about the holy and the unholy, the holy and the, or the unholy and the unclean were simply natural things that had not been sanctified to be brought in to the service of the Lord. You know, even all of the artifacts in the temple, the furniture, the instruments of the altar, the altar itself, the, the, uh, the candelabras, all of those things were made of natural materials and when they were, when they were uh, constructed, then before they were brought into the temple, they were quote unquote sanctified. They went through a process of cleansing. It was a ceremonial process where they sprinkled blood and, and different things. And those, those instruments were then set apart for God. And now they were holy. Well, if you brought something from the outside that you could fashion your own candelabra or make your own furniture, well, you couldn't bring it into the temple because it would be considered unholy or unclean. Not, not in the sense of it being inherently sinful, but because of the place where it was. Do you see that? The holy things of the Lord were things that God had sanctified and the unholy things were, were things that God had not sanctified. And what, uh, what the prophet was saying here was reminding the priest that they were to teach the people the difference between the holy and the unholy and cause them to, to, to discern between the unclean and the clean. That's all I'm doing. I'm teaching you, I'm, I'm fulfilling my responsibility and I have the same responsibility as a New Testament minister. I'm teaching you the difference between sacred things and, and, and non-sacred things and how to respect sacred things and how sacred things are disrespected. And, and, and God is pleased with that. Yeah. Amen. And so uh, I want you to understand that. Now, I, I said on, on Sunday night, I know that I'm going against the grain. You know, modern uh, church leadership today, the trend is to tell people, listen, it doesn't matter. Just come any way you want to. And, and you see the, the dress of the church going further and further and further and further and further down. And, and there is an element of disrespect there. And God's not pleased with that. Amen. And like I said, uh, you don't have to dress like I do unless you want to. There's nothing wrong with it. But on the other hand, uh, you know, dress, you can dress casually. Just be respectful. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. 
That's all there, that's all there is to that. Now, I, I do know this, and I'll, I'll get into this. I do know that there's an argument that, that people that are invited to church, some people are turned off when they come to our church because we are a dressy church. That, that's the complaint. I noticed this morning, I just looked around, and, I, and, and, and to me it seemed like this morning there was more dressy wear than, than there had been. And maybe it was because of what I talked about. And maybe people misunderstood me. And, but I noticed today that it was about 60-40. I'm talking about men. Uh, I'm not as good of a, a discerner of women's dress and casual. I, I don't know. It just escapes me sometimes. I don't know if are any other men like that. Angela will ask me sometimes. She'll say, what, is, what do you think of this? Does this look better or that better? Does these shoes match or that? I, I don't know. I, I'm not being vague. I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know what makes women. I don't know what they think about fashion. I don't know how they put things together. Are you there, Dan? I don't. I don't get it. And so I'm. I'm looking at men, and I noticed this morning it was about sixty percent uh, uh, more dressy, and about forty percent, uh, you know, casual, which I'm okay with. Now, when people come in and they and they say, "Well, you know, I can't come to your church because it's it's too dressy." I wonder why they're not looking at the casual people. Why are they only looking at the dressy people and say, well, I can't come because people are too dressy? When usually it's about 50-50 and sometimes it's 40-60, 40% dressy and 60% casual. It, it is a lot of times. And I'm thinking now, why if somebody from the outside, why would they come and turn their nose up? Well, I'm not coming to your church because you guys are overly dressy. I, I, I have a problem with that. And, and I'm not saying that people aren't saying it. I'm just saying it's not valid, even if they are saying it. I remember one, and I, I use this illustration when I was a hippie, you know, I started coming to church. I, boy, I stood out like a sore thumb. And there were a few of us in the church, a few young people, and we dressed crazy. I mean, long hair and wild clothes. And this was in 1973, very conservative times, you know. And when people would criticize, you know, the, the way I dressed, I'd just laugh at them most of the time. I'd just laugh and say, you know, dude, leave me alone. You, man, you're a trip. You're tripping me out, man. Leave me alone, you know. Uh, I certainly didn't get mad or feel that the church ought to reflect me I don't understand why people are so thin-skinned these days. Is anybody familiar? This might just be a Fox News-ism, but, uh, but is anybody familiar with the term cupcake as it applies to college students? Nobody's familiar with that? I guess it's, I guess it's something that Fox News reports on. In, on college campuses all across the nation, State colleges, private colleges, universities, there is a trend among young people, young college age people today, that they feel like they have to have a quote unquote safe zone on the campus. Does anybody follow? Do you know what I'm talking about now? You don't know what I'm talking about? These, these young students feel like they have to have a safe zone. They have to have a place where they can go where they can't be confronted with any ideas that challenge them or that different than them. I'm thinking, what in the world has happened to college? They, they feel like that, if they, that they, they deserve and the college owes them a special place of refuge where they can go to where nobody will present a different point of view except their liberal socialist point of view. College universities, or universities college, college classes and university classes in, in America today on, on a lot of the Ivy League uh, campuses and other very uh, liberal colleges, they're giving their students, the universities have actually issued a, an official policy saying that a student can get up and walk out of, of a lecture and, and stay away and miss that entire portion of a class several days if there's anything said that makes them feel uncomfortable. Just messes their psyche. I just, 
They present a different point of view and I just can't handle it. I'm, I, I know I'm making fun, but I intend to. There's this idea that, that a lot of young people have today that I, I, I deserve to be kept in a bubble where everybody agrees with me. And, and if, I, if I'm uh, exposed to any other point of views other than mine, I have a right to be offended and to be upset and, and demand that people talk, stop talking, not present other point of views. I think a lot of that is, is actually coming into play here. When, when, when folks come to church and are offended because the preacher, I mean, I've been criticized because I wear a suit. And, you know, if, if, if dressing up in church was a new innovation, now listen, some of you are mad with me right now, I know. But I want you to, 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 to listen to what I'm saying. If dressing, listen to the logic. I'm just appealing to logic here, not emotion, illogic. If dressing up was a new innovation, being imposed on a casual church world, there would be some point of discussion. But dressing up in church is an age-old tradition. Now somebody say, yeah, but it's out of date. It might be for a lot of people. But you can't say you don't understand it. I'm not a betting man and I haven't done this. I haven't conducted a poll. But I'm willing to, uh, to, to say, just generally speaking, I bet you, if you went out anywhere among 18-year-old to 25-year-old people and asked them, what does the phrase Sunday best mean to you? Now, you, you, you'd have to be careful. You'd have to phrase it right because somebody might know what it means, but they want to give you their their idea of what it should mean. They might embark on a, on a, uh, a real quick retort. Well, I, I just mean, I think Sunday best just means doing what you want to and dress how you want to. Ask it like this. Okay, historically, historically, do you understand what the phrase or the term Sunday best means? I'm willing to bet you, not really, but I'm really not really, willing to bet you that the majority of people, if they're honest, would say Sunday best means your best clothes. It's, it's not talking about your best recipe for pancakes. I don't think they would think that. When they think your Sunday best, I think inherently, you'd, have to be, you'd really have to be culturally illiterate to not understand, to be so uh, protected from our, from our history that you wouldn't know that Sunday best applies to clothes for Sunday, which means church, which means wearing your best clothes to church. Now, who in the world would not understand that? Because uh, for hundreds of years, the tradition has been when you go to church, you put on your best. That's not a new idea. Now, it may not be popular today. I'm not arguing that it's popular. I'm not arguing that it's current. I'm arguing that it exists that history exists. You cannot deny that. So how come a person can come into a church and be offended that someone is wearing their Sunday best when Sunday at church is when Sunday best is worn and that's what it means, always has mean. How can that be shocking? How can that be shocking to people? If I'm, not, if I'm not requiring you to dress up and you can come into my church and you can look around and half of the men are not dressed up, they're in respectful, casual clothes. How I don't buy the legitimacy of someone being offended at me or our church. It is, after all, a church. It's, it's interesting. How many of you, I want to just ask the young people under 30, how many of you people, how many of you under 30 think, what's the, what's the uh, just uh, the late night TV host, the real funny guy? Jimmy Fowler. How many of you believe he's cool? He's a cool guy. Is he generally in young, among young people, you think he's pretty cool? I think that was pretty agreeable. He's a cool guy. He always wears a suit. 
Now, he's on late night television doing a comedy routine before a congregation of fairly, I don't mean this in a sinful sense, but in just in a social sense, fairly uh, irreverent crowd. It's not a church service. It's a fairly, not raucous, but, but a fairly irreverent uh, situation. It's comedy. Now, why are young people, why would they go to hear Jimmy Fallon and not be offended he's in a, in a suit and come to my church and turn their nose up because I'm in a suit? Can, it, can anybody explain the logic of that? Because I, I, that escapes me. I'm not funny, that's what it is. Good one, Dan. Touche. But, but are you getting my point? Why would you think it out of line? Because that's what people are saying. They're basically saying your church is out of line. The dressy people in your church are out of line. Really what they're saying is it's different than me and I can't handle it. But, 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 but on, a, on a more in, uh, 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 clearer sense, they're saying that we're out of line, that we shouldn't be dressed this way. And this is the way people have dressed for, for generations and generations. It shouldn't be shocking to anybody. Now, listen, let me give you some, some good advice. Young people or younger people, when you invite people to come to our church and they come and they turn up their nose because, you know, that, that people are dressed and they say, well, I just don't feel comfortable. You can do one of two things. You can help them see that there's no basis for them to feel that way because no one is looking down at them. Number two, half the church looks like them. Number three, it's childish to, ha- to be offended over something like that just because people are different than you. All three of those things are justification for you to sit that person down and say, really? Think about this a little bit. Why are you offended? In- do that instead of encouraging them. Instead of endorsing their hurt feelings. Instead of saying, yeah, I know it, it's terrible. I, I don't blame you. You know, I know it's very dressy and I know you'll be miserable. Here. What? Huh? Yeah, don't make excuses for your church. Just say, well, I mean, slap them on the side of the cheek. So what's wrong with you, silly? Wake up to reality. Not everybody's like you. Nobody cares the way you're dressed. Get over yourself. Amen. If you invite people that are friends and they have that reaction, be honest with them. Unless, of course, you really are nurturing an attitude on your own. And if you are, I'm, I'm hoping that the scriptures and the, the, the understanding of sacred things would make an impression upon you that it's, like I said, it's okay to come casual. So we're not, even, we're not even asking people to not come casual. The only thing we're asking people is don't come look like you're going to the flea market. Just got out of bed and don't, you know, don't care anything about the, the things of God. That's all we're asking, don't dress that way. And, and if, that's, if that's the standard and it's that low, uh, I don't understand really where there's a problem here. Amen. I, I know I was, I was told of, of someone recently that uh, they said they were looking for a church like ours. They were looking for a, a quote, tongue-talking church. But when they went online and looked at our church or they were told about our church, they said, you know what? We're not even going to try your church because you're too dressy. Now, I would allege that they were not primarily looking for a tongue-talking church. I would have to allege that, number one, because we are one and they rejected us. I mean, we're about as much of a tongue-talking church as I know. 
I was raised in Pentecost churches, you know, in Pentecost movement. I'm, a familiar, I'm familiar with Pentecostal churches. I'm familiar with charismatic churches. I'm familiar with the trend today and what's happening. And we're about as, we're about as tongue uh, active church as you'll find anywhere. If somebody says, I'm looking for a spirit-filled church, a place where they believe in talking in tongues, but they will not consider us because, we're, because of the way we dress, I say, that's tongue-talking, spirit-filled is not their first objective. That's not what they're looking for. They're looking for a casual church. They're hoping to find one. They want a church where people dress like they do and then also speak with other tongues. And so it's a matter of priority. I know there's this attitude that if we invite people, even if their attitudes aren't right, we should, we should kind of drop down to their standard. And again, I'm not, I'm not advocating a high standard. I don't think it's high standard to say, you know, you can dress any way you want to, just don't come in, you know, in your swimsuits, you know. <laughs> uh, but there's this idea we need to dress down in order to Uh, accommodate these people though even though their attitude is wrong if we can get them in the door and continue to minister to them then we get a chance to help them in a perfect world that works out that that's a that's a that's a good theory and it should work that way but I've been pastoring for 36 years I've I've noticed that overall People who come who are hungry, genuinely hungry for God, those are the ones who stay in church. And people who come who really aren't hungry and their hearts really aren't uh, hungry for the right things, in other words, they've got agendas that aren't what they should be, we rarely keep them. We rarely keep them. They come for a while, but if if they're not really here for the right reasons, they don't stay. If they are here for the right reasons, they do stay. So the idea that if we, if we cater, you know, if I, if I start coming to church, you know, in, in uh, jeans and my shirt out and got a big tattoo on my arm, if I'll do that to cater to people, then we'll draw more people uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see that happening because, if, again, if people don't have their heart right, they never stay. I know of pastor friends. I've got pastor, and I'll, I'll close this out. I've got pastor friends, people I know personally, who have gone this way. They've, they've gone with the flow. They've dressed down. Now, there are always examples of the big churches. There, there are a lot of them out there. Everybody likes to point to them, the big success stories. These churches will tell you, dressing down, you know, this is part of the key to reach people. When you drill down a little bit, there are a lot of other things going on besides dressing down that are attracting people, and a lot of them are not good. So, so the idea that, that dressing down is bringing in crowds, it, that's, that's not the whole picture. But I know pastors that are like myself that have stuck to the truth of God's word. They're still preaching, you know, the baptism, Holy Spirit, healing, and so forth, but they've dressed down. The ones that I know of, and I don't know everybody, but I know quite a few, I haven't seen any growth. There's been no measurable growth. There's, the church has not been helped in any way. It hasn't improved anything in the church. And a lot of these pastors will tell me, when I talk to them, they really don't like it. But they went along because of pressure, peer pressure from other ministers and just being constantly told, you know, this would be... A lot of people are looking for the, for the elusive key to church growth. Oh, boy, if we do this, you know, we've, we've got this barrier and this barrier is keeping people out. I'm saying a lot of those people that turn up their nose, they're going to turn up their nose at something else. If it's not my clothes, it's going to be my doctrine, it's going to be something. Because offend, people who are really easily offended are not just offended over one thing. They're offended over many things. But people are told, if we'll do this, the church will grow, we'll get all these people. I've had pastors telling me, you know, I really don't like this. I've gone along with it. I believe they know in their hearts something's not right. But they've gone along with it, and and I haven't seen any measurable improvement in the church. 
I, I, just, I just don't accept the idea that if I come looking, you know, like, uh, you know, disheveled or, or not disheveled, but, you know, just dressed in jeans and tennis shoes and stuff, that that will just create this excitement in the community. In this community, the fact that we give messages and tongues and interpretation, that's going to keep out about 90% of this community. Okay? Now, just be honest. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not, you know, I'm not, we have to be realistic. We live in a very conservative religious community. Very conservative religiously and about these things. And when we start laying hands on the sick, people start falling under the power and we start calling people out the words of knowledge and the glory of God comes and we all start singing in the spirit. People take off running and shouting and jumping and dancing all over the place. I'm telling you, that's way, a way bigger hindrance to a lot of people than my tie. Guarantee you. I'm not as funny as Jimmy Fallon, but I'm just as cool as he is. <laughs> Amen. And so, uh, you know, don't be offended. Stop being offended. It's not, now, if you have a difference of opinion, I'm not saying you're offended. I'm not saying that. You can have a difference of opinion, not be offended. But you know when you're offended. Okay? Don't be, don't be, because uh, we, want, we want, first of all, we want it to be about what God thinks, not what visitors think. We want it to be about what God wants, not what I want, not how I want to dress. When I, when I first started coming to church and I dressed like I did, I didn't want to change. I didn't, I didn't see any reason to change but I saw that opportunities to minister were, were not being made available to me because I looked like a clown. I mean, back then I did. You know, you wouldn't look that way today necessarily. You wouldn't think that. But the way I looked then, I, you know. And I realized I'm going to have to change. I didn't change because I necessarily believed it or, or saw the validity in it. I changed because I saw that I was getting passed over uh, uh, in an opportunity to be used of God. I wanted more to be a blessing than I did to, you know, to wear my Galilean gliders to church. <laughs> I was elected as the, uh, as, uh, on the church, the pastors in church council when I was 24, I guess. We had just gotten back into fellowship of the Lord in, in 73. This was uh, 72. I started going back to church 73. I was 20, so this was around uh, uh, 75. 76, something like that. And uh, that was a big deal. I was the youngest person that had ever been elected by the church to the pastor's council. That was traditionally, that was the older men that had been there for years, you know, the old anchor families, you know, like in our church, it'd be the Doug Browns and the Dan Jets, you know, and the, you know, the people that have been here a long time. Those were the ones that was elected to this pastor's council. Here I was 24, 25 years old, 26 maybe, I got elected to the pastors. And now a lot of that had to do with my family background. I had, been, I had gone to that church, I had backslidden, but my family had been in that church for years and my father was such a respected uh, icon in that church. But he was killed in 64 when I was 11. My family continued to go to church. I backslid when I was you know, in high school. When I, when, when I graduated from high school, I just left. Just left, you know. And I'm sure people in that church, they knew my family, they knew me, and, I, and I'm sure they, that, that hurt them. I'm sure they, a lot of people prayed for me. When I started coming back to church, people were just so glad that, that they were blessed that Edwin Anderson had turned his life around. And so, like I said, I was elected to the, to the church council at, at, in 1976, approximately about 26 years old, and no one under 50 had ever been elected. And you know what one of the rules were? The church of God believed that it was a sin to go to movies. Any movie. It wasn't the content of the movie. It was the movie house. That was considered a place of worldly entertainment. Any, any old church of God people know what I'm talking about? That was, going to the movies was considered worldly entertainment. 
Well, my wife and I went to, we went to good movies, you know, decent, you know, movies. There weren't anything wrong with them. But when I became on the council, now I'm an official in the church. I realized it would be hypocritical for me to sneak around and go to the movies. I represent this church. I didn't agree with it at all. I thought it was bogus. I thought it was absurd. I thought it was ridiculous. I thought it was unnecessary. I thought it was, was out of date. Everything people are saying about this dress thing, I thought that. But while I was on that board, on that council, I didn't go to the movies because I would rather be a blessing than go to a dumb movie. I enjoyed movies, but my Lord, are they that important that I'm gonna compromise my word and, and, and endanger and threaten my ability to be a blessing to people because of some, you know, movie? Robert, Robert Redford and Goldie Hawn just weren't that important to me. Well, what I'm saying is put first things first. What's important? I'm not saying you have to agree with me. I hope you do. I hope I'm getting through because what I'm saying is based on, on the word and on logic and on history. But even if you don't agree, don't have an attitude about it. You can, you can agree to disagree and still keep a sweet attitude. And if you're chafing about... I, when, I was, when I started dressing up, you know... And, 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 and starting to, you know, my hair started getting a little shorter. Gradually, it worked us out. I started styling it, you know, and all that stuff, you know. And, uh, uh, double knit slacks came out, you know. And, and uh, those shoes, this was in the 70s, you know, those big old tall, what they call? Huh? Platform shoes. I started wearing that stuff. But I didn't really like it. But that's just what the style was and I just started wearing it. But even though I didn't want to do it, I didn't chafe over it. I didn't, it, didn't, it wasn't an area of irritation to me. If you're irritated, you might need to go back to the well a little bit. Amen. Amen. So what am I saying? I'm saying come comfortable. Come comfortable. Don't come in your pajamas, but come comfortable. Don't come sloppy. I cannot fully and completely identify what sloppy is, but you know what sloppy is. And everybody else knows. Don't come sloppy. Show some respect. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.